Welcome back to the listener's commentary on the book of Philippians. This is our final session in this commentary as we come to the end of the letter. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through the end of the letter in this session. And in order to really appreciate what's going on in the session, we need to make sure we recall the background to the letter. That is that Paul is under arrest, most likely in Rome, and uh, thus, it coordinates with uh, Acts chapter 28, and we learn there that Paul is under house arrest, where he's chained to guards, but he's in his own rented quarters, which means he has to pay for his own room and board, which was a fairly common practice in Roman law. And so Paul is uh, in a small little, probably one-bedroom type flat apartment, chained to guards, but he's responsible to pay for his own food and his own rent, but he can't work. And so he's really dependent on the care of friends to make sure that he has everything he needs. And thus, the Philippians had sent a gift to Paul at the hands of Epaphroditus, who had brought the gift to him, so they'd taken up an offering and sent him some money to help Paul meet his needs while he's there in Rome under arrest. That background is central to this section of the letter where we uh, really get Paul's final words of thanksgiving to the church for the gift that they had sent. And so we have to have that background in mind to make sure we hear him well and understand what he's talking about. And in uh, giving this thanksgiving, Paul really teaches us some important things about uh, God and contentment and our needs and uh, generosity and all of that. And so let's jump in. Philippians chapter 4 verse 10 says, Now, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. In other words, what Paul is saying there is basically your generosity, your gift that, that you sent to me has caused me to rejoice greatly in the Lord. Man, it just meant so much to me that you would be so generous to me, that you would care for me, and that's evidence of the Lord's work in your life and your care for the Lord's servant and the Lord's ministry. And so, man, made me just rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at last you revived your concern for me. And then Paul wants to make sure he clarifies. I know it wasn't because you weren't concerned before. You just didn't have an opportunity uh, in order to uh, send money to me. But now you've had that chance and thank you. It means the world to me. Now, verse 11 says, not that I speak from want. And so again, he's just, he's qualifying this. He's like, man, not that I speak from want. Why not? Well, listen to what he says. For, again, explanatory for. So he's explaining why he doesn't speak from want. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. In other words, I don't speak from want because I've learned how to be content whether I have plenty or whether I don't have enough. I've learned how to be content. Um, and contentment here is this idea of being able to rejoice in, be satisfied in, get along in, having plenty or having uh, hardly anything. And so he says in verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means, i.e. not having a whole lot, right? I know how to get along when I hardly have anything. And I also know how to live in prosperity. And here's one of the really important implications of what Paul just said. Uh, I think we look at humble means, hardly having anything, and we say, man, yeah, that's hard. That's hard. I don't know how to do that. I That's a difficult situation, or that's where I'm at right now, right? We get that. But when he says... I also know how to live in prosperity. 
a lot of us look at that and we're like, we shake our heads and we're like, well, living in prosperity, man, piece of cake. That would be wonderful, right? Have all our needs met, have more than enough. But there is a skill necessary to live in prosperity in a way that is good for us as human beings, good for the people around us, and honors God. That prosperity brings with it its own risks and its own dangers and its own difficulties. And there's a skill set needed to to live with prosperity. And Paul says he's learned that. So he's been in both types of situations, poverty and prosperity. And he says, I've learned how to live in both those circumstances. I've learned the skills needed, and thus I can be content either way. Um, He goes on and he says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. Catch that. I have learned the secret of being filled and and going hungry, both of having an abundance and suffering need. I've learned the secret to living in those kinds of circumstances. And what's the secret? Well, here's where Philippians 4.13 comes in. It's one of the most well-known verses in the book of Philippians, often without any knowledge of its context, and context is king. So we need to hear it now in its context. Philippians 4.13, here's the secret of being filled and going hungry. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Notice that. That's the original context of this famous verse. Uh, That verse gets quoted in sporting events, you know, and boxing matches and football games. It gets quoted in school situations and all that. And there are perhaps some circumstances where that's appropriate, but don't miss the original context. The original context is having an abundance and being in need. Paul's like, If I'm in need and I'm in poverty, I hardly have anything, I'm going hungry, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If if I'm in prosperity and I have an abundance, uh, there's a secret to living that way, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so Paul can be content because Christ gives him strength. That's the point of that verse. Now by principle, that verse thus could extend beyond that, but it needs to be Uh, really similar situations where uh, we recognize that in our service to Jesus, in our living for Jesus, life sometimes goes smoothly and life sometimes goes difficultly. And in any and every circumstance, we can be content and rejoice uh, because of Christ who gives us strength. That's the point. Uh, And thus, now, Paul just reaffirms his gratitude towards them in verse 14. He says, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. It was good of you, is the idea, to share with me in my affliction. I've learned how to get along with a lot and hardly anything, and yet it was very good of you to share with me in my affliction. Um, From there in verse 15, Paul reflects on just this particular church's investment in his ministry. They have been like this from the beginning. They have been generous. They have supported him. They've supported his ministry. They've cared for him financially and for his physical needs since the beginning of his contact with him. So he writes in verse 15, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Now, Way back at the beginning of the letter in chapter 1, if you recall that uh, session, 
we talked about their partnership in the gospel, and Paul thanked God for their partnership. It's this that he has in mind when he says partnership. Their partnership showed up in their willingness to give generously to uh, Paul's ministry. So the partnership isn't just kind of a vague general idea of connection. It's a really a physical partnership where they're participating in giving and receiving with Paul. And so here he recalls that and says, you yourselves know that when I left Macedonia, Macedonia is the region in which the city of Philippi is located. So the northern section of Greece is Macedonia, and the city of Philippi was in that region of Macedonia. And so Paul had landed initially in Macedonia at Philippi and preached there, went to some of the other cities, Thessalonica, Berea, and others in Macedonia. And he says, when I left that region, if you know the story in Acts, he left Macedonia and headed down to Athens in Greece, And so he headed down to Athens, and he says, When I left Macedonia, you were the only Macedonian church that shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Um, In fact, you can read the Thessalonian letters, and you get a sense that probably Paul had left some co-workers behind in Philippi and some of the other cities in Macedonia. And when they came to join Paul at uh, Athens, they brought a gift with him. Uh, with them, or when they came to at least join Paul in Greece, maybe not Athens, maybe more in uh, Corinth, maybe a little bit of both, but they brought some money to help support his ministry, and from this line here, we know that that money came from the church at Philippi, and so there in in Acts, when he's in uh, Corinth, and he's working in the tent maker's shop to kind of support himself, and then all of a sudden it says in Acts that he his co-workers uh, came to him, and he gave him. He left the tent shop and gave himself full-time to ministry. It's probably because the Macedonians sent him a gift. And so they were this generous church right from the get-go that uh, cared for Paul's needs and gave regularly to support his work. And Paul is just so grateful for that, as he noted in chapter 1 of this letter. So he recalls that to mind here, and he says this, For even in Thessalonica you sent me a gift for my needs more than once. And Thessalonica was a neighboring city to Philippi, um, still in Macedonia. He says, man, when I left Macedonia, you sent to me. And even when I was in Thessalonica, uh, just a few weeks after I left you, you sent a gift to me more than once. And so this church has been very invested in Paul's work, very invested in the gospel ministry, uh, very generous to Paul, and Paul is incredibly grateful. And in verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift itself. And this is just a qualification and a clarity for him. He wants to make sure they know, I'm just not out to get your money. And there were plenty of charlatan philosophers in the ancient world who would move into a city, set up shop, you know, hang out their shingle, uh, philosophy expert. They would gather students. They would take tuition, take money, and then they would close up shop, leave town, take the money. Paul wants to, I mean, he had some very strict financial policies when you read all his letters and the book of Acts. You get a very clear sense that uh, it was rare for Paul to ever take uh, money from churches when he was just starting that church and s- still in that town. After they left, like here in this case with Thessalonica and the Philippians, he would welcome their support. But he never wanted to be accused of taking their money and running, preaching the gospel and running just to get money. And so here's the qualification in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift itself. Um, your generosity is so incredible. It means the world to me. Just want to make sure you know I'm, I'm not out to get your money, uh, but 
I seek for the profit which increases to your account. The thing that made him so excited about this was the fact that the Philippians were uh, giving in this, which meant they were invested in the gospel. They were participating in the gospel and ministry, which means their, their heart was growing for the sake of God's kingdom. And Paul rejoiced in that. That meant he, the, the profit which increases to your account, treasures in heaven, gospel-centered ministry, a kingdom heart, and he rejoices in that. Now, with all that lead up in verse 18 of chapter 4, Paul makes a statement that almost sounds just like a receipt. He wants them to know he received the gift. So verse 18 is basically like his receipt. And he says this, he says, but I have received everything in full and I have an abundance. That word received is actually used in business context in the ancient worlds for that kind of idea of a receipt. I received what you sent. I received the gift. I received your payment. That's what Paul is saying here. I've received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I have all my needs met because of your generosity. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Notice how something as mundane as their, their money and their gift is spoken of in such theological terms for Paul. And you see this all throughout Paul's letters. You see this in 2 Corinthians. It's really noteworthy for that. And so notice what he says. I, I, I've received everything that you sent from Epaphroditus. So he got the whole gift that Epaphroditus brought, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. This is language from the sacrificial realm of Jewish worship uh, where... Um, Certain offerings would be described in the Old Testament as the aroma rises up to God and is pleasing to him. And Paul is picturing their offering to his ministry and caring for his needs like that, where the aroma of this offering is is arising up to God and it's pleasing to God. He has seen their gift and God is pleased with their gift. And, And so Paul is in a situation where he can do nothing more than say thank you. And in a culture like theirs where um, giving and receiving are reciprocal, that was the way it was expected to work. You give to somebody else. It was just customary for there to be some return to you. And But Paul's in a position where he can't do any of that. So notice what he says in verse 19. He says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so... Um, Paul assures them that their generosity has gone noticed by God, and God, as a result, will make sure all their needs are met. And so as as he has learned to be content, they can learn to be content. He has learned to trust Jesus, and he's encouraging them to trust Jesus because God will supply all their needs according to, catch this phrase, according to his riches in glory. That God is wealthy. He is rich. He has an abundance, and he is certainly capable of taking care of all our needs. And so our God will take care of all your needs in Christ Jesus, he says. And and now the final real main line of the letter, verse 20, now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this letter ends formally at this point with this praise to God for just who God is, for what God has done, and particularly in their situation for God caring for them, God caring for Paul through them, and God's goodness to everybody. So to God be the glory, both now and forever. 
Amen. With that, all that's left for Paul to do is to sign off the letter with some greetings. And so verses 21 through 23 is Paul's sign off. And he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So greet all the saints. And um, when he says that, the saints recall that word refers to not super holy old dudes who had a statue made out of them. Saints refers to God's holy people, those set apart as belonging to God. And so this is the church. These are the Christians. Greet all the Christians uh, in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. And so his fellow Christians with him uh, uh, greet them. And then he adds a very interesting line in verse 22. All the saints greet you especially those of Caesar's household. Notice that Paul is under house arrest. Um, he has some connection to Caesar's household, presumably because, as he mentioned earlier in the letter, he's being guarded by the Praetorian Guard, which is Caesar's kind of elite troops. Um, and there are saints who are part of Caesar's household. In other words, there are people within the palace itself who have become believers in Christ Jesus and who are following Christ Jesus, and they greet you. What an encouragement that would be to the church in Philippi to know that um, as a Roman colony with a strong connection to Rome, here at the, not just in Rome itself, but at the very control center of the empire, in Caesar's very own household, there are fellow believers who worship the same God and follow the same Jesus there in Caesar's household, and they are sending their greetings to the church at Philippi. So all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so Paul signs off the letter to the Philippians with this well wish for God's grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus to be with them, that they might live in grace, know grace, experience his grace on a regular basis. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And that's how the letter to the Philippians ends. As we wrap up this section of the letter, it's appropriate for us just to step back and reflect on what Paul has said and really be reminded that contentment is a Christian virtue, but it's not a virtue in the sense of just grinning and bearing it. It's a virtue that comes from the strength which Jesus supplies and the uh, the confidence that God will supply all our needs. We can be content because we're in Christ and because God is our Father, and therefore we have the strength we need to endure difficult situations. We have the strength we need to, to deal with the risks of prosperity, and we have the assurance that God will take care of all our needs, and so we can be content. And because we can be content and we have this reassurance, one of the lessons we can learn from this section that the Philippians encourage us is we should be like the Philippians. And we should invest our life, including our resources, into the, the ministry of the gospel, into supporting missionaries and churches and ministries that promote the gospel, and into caring for the needs of God's servants uh, around the world. And so we give just like the Philippians gave because God is with us and God has given to us and, and God will take care of us. And so may we be a people like the Philippians who give generously to support the work of God in and through people like Paul. And may we learn along with Paul how to be content in whatever circumstances we're in because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. 
There you go. That's the letter to the Philippians. And so, as we sign off this commentary, uh, I say to you the same well wish that Paul gave to the Philippians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. God bless.